0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borelis, from McNally to Fay, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go. You can stand and your Eureka, do whatever you like. You'll never forget the moment when lightning strikes.
1: This is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the tingly mic drop moments that led you to becoming an artist. Marty LaSalle is the CEO of Big Apple Circus. Their latest show, Journey to the Rainbow, created in collaboration with Circus Theatre Roncalli, is now play at Lincoln Center through January 1st. It's also a New York Times Critics' Pick. So welcome, Marty.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Gerald. That was a very um, theatrical and informative introduction.
1: <laughs> Even in those few sentences, I hope people
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: can get... So, I love your trajectory. I love the full circle-ness. We'll get all into that of you and your your legacy of your circus life. Tell me, if somebody were to ask you, what is the Big Apple Circus and why is it special? What would you say?
0: I love that question. And since I rejoined the Big Apple Circus as CEO a year and a half ago, I thought a lot about that. Uh-huh. The Big Apple Circus really stems from this traditional European circus style, yes. which means that it's presented in one ring. Uh, during the 20th century in America, circus morphed from this traditional format to a large-scale arena spectacle that oh. Americans have become accustomed to. The three rings uh, that traveled in these massive big top uh, setups until 19. 19- Fifty until the mid 50s when they were converted to arenas. And so for decades, Americans had kind of lost touch with the romance and the intimacy and the magic of this more intimate circus uh, that presents acts in a much more immediate environment. And Paul Binder and Michael Christensen, who founded the Big Apple Circus in 1977, had just returned from a street performing tour of Europe where they were invited to participate in Annie Fratellini's first nouveau cirque uh, that was presented in a big top 10 in Dijon in 1975 and for Paul binder as he writes in his memoir this was really a revelation for him he didn't he didn't un, he didn't wasn't aware that this was really the source of the circus form not just in Europe but also in America so when they came back to New York in 19. 19- 76 it took about a year for them to do something about it but they did when they founded the big apple circus uh under a big top a one ring big top tent in battery park city and the the legacy of that inspiration uh remains very vibrant uh the big apple circus specifically uh also has a very kind uh gentle spirit uh that i think is um provides a contrast to other one ring circus uh Tents that tour throughout the country, and then, and then, of course, we're New York City circus. We're here at Lincoln Center. Uh, we are connected to the razzle dazzle of Broadway. Yeah. Um, Gerald, you were here for the sh- for for our opening, yeah. I believe, a couple of weeks ago. And so yeah. we we cast a, a company of six dancers who are all local here to New York, who are just wonderful, wonderful dancers, and we really bring in this production value and energy and style of of New York City. So. So it's all those elements that that come together uh, in our in our ring here uh, at, at at the Big Apple
1: Circus. Yeah, because you have, I mean, you have jugglers, you have acrobats, you've got torsionists, you've um, trapeze artists, and as you mentioned, dancers and these beautiful, magnificent costumes. Mm-hmm. And it's really a you know a three hundred and sixty experience. Dare I say it? You know that you. You Absolutely. have so many beautiful elements. You're and happy.
0: nobody's more exactly. And and although we're a 1600 seat venue, yeah. which by the standards of Broadway is quite big. Uh, it doesn't feel that big because the, the seating configuration is in the round. So nobody's more than 50 feet from the ring. And when you're configured in the round, it's really like three prosceniums one after another. So if you think about our venue that way, you can see why it's 1600 seats. So it's, it's, it's really intimate. Uh, it's about presenting ordinary people doing extraordinary things right in front of you. And with the proximity to the performers, I think that it is easier for people to come away feeling inspired and really connecting to this, these moments of joy and, and wonder uh, that we create in our big top for, for all audiences um, of all ages. And it's really about connecting people and bringing people together through those, through those shared experiences.
1: And as you mentioned, the Big Apple Circus has quite a legacy. It's in its 46th season. And I love your history with the Big Apple Circus. Can you talk about your experience as an uh, acrobatic juggler with your brother and that lightning strike moment? Absolutely. So to me, that's so Absolutely. fascinating that so here <laughs> no, you are, the is. CEO. Some things,
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, some things, uh, some things um, when, when they happen in life, feel like they're, they're meant to be. And I think my coming back to the Big Apple Circus certainly felt like one of them. So I, I first connected with the Big Apple Circus in a meaningful way 20 years ago, January. So it was January, 2003. And by that time, I was a senior in high school, and I had already uh, developed an acrobatic juggling act with my twin brother. Uh, So at that point, we had been in the gym training for probably about 10 years. Uh, The first few years of those were primarily in uh, gymnastics and acrobatics. Um, And then we moved over into juggling, which I could tell you a little bit about, but we By the time we were seniors in high school, we had performed our acrobatic juggling act all over the world and in all different types of venues. This was when Cirque du Soleil was firing on all fronts and it was a very vibrant time for the circus industry, uh, not just in America, but in Europe and throughout the world. And there's two major circus festivals uh, each year that bring together up and coming acts and also more established acts in as showcases uh, that connect buyers and sellers. And so my brother and I were representing the United States at a festival called Cirque du Monde in Paris uh, that was housed in this beautiful building called Cirque du Vare. And Paul Binder, who was the artistic director of the Big Apple Circus for the first 30 plus years of its history, would journey over to Paris every year. And sometimes he would sit on a the jury. There'd be awards that would be handed out. But by the time we were in the festival, every year he would present what he would call the big apple circus award and he would present the award to the act in the festival that most closely embodied the spirit of the big apple circus and so i hadn't met paul binder at that point but after we performed a couple times he came backstage and introduced himself to us and we left the festival with the big apple circus award (laughs) So, so that was 20 years ago uh that was 20 years ago this past january uh, my brother and I actually moved to New York to go to uh, to go to university. We were here. We went to Columbia here. Uh, so during those years, we couldn't commit to a full time contract with the big apple circus. But at the time, they had a special events division called Big Apple Circus to Go, and we would work with that division throughout the year uh, as much as we could uh, in a way that still accommodated our school schedule. And then when we graduated, we called Paul Binder and we said, "Remember when you?" asked us to come work for Big Apple Circus. Like, we wanted, we would like to do that now. Um, and so it worked out great. We graduated in 2007, and then we joined uh, the Big Apple Circus in the summer of 2008 uh, for the 2008-2009 season, which also happened to be Paul Binder's last year as artistic director. Wow.
1: So i I must know, though, when you knew you had to be a circus performer, and I love that you have this... Shared passion with your brother, your twin brother.
0: Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And we we never would have been able to get to to journey down this path had yeah. had 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 we not done it together. And I always like to say that it, you know I won the circus lottery by being born an identical twin. Yeah, oh. two hundred fifty to one odds, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it helped for sure. Um, so my brother and I, we we started as gymnasts and. You know, I, I don't know if there's any one moment, but I, I do remember uh, what I believe uh, would be the first time I saw a circus. And it was Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus that uh, toured arenas. And it was probably in the mid-90s. I was about 10. I remember that I was already a budding gymnast and I was already spending probably 14 to 16 hours a day in the gym. Um, and I just, I just remember being completely intoxicated by it. Uh, by the magic and the beauty of the performers, it really felt like the whole world was coming to your doorstep and it just really felt like a place of celebration and belonging um which which I think a lot of people who get into the theater world um you know have have that similar type of experience uh, but to me, there was something about the circus that was not fantasy in a very compelling way. The performers aren't pretending to fly through the air. They actually are flying through the air. The jugglers aren't pretending to juggle, they're actually juggling and I think that really was was powerful for me that these were real people and this was who they were and how they lived. And at the end of at the end of the day, this was back when Ringling brothers still traveled on trains, all these performers would go onto this magical train and they would wake up in a new city. And to me that was just Thrilling in every you know, every way. Plus, there's cotton candy. There's popcorn. There's lights. There's action. There's adulation. There's all these um, elements to it. So, so I was pretty hooked. And then, what's what's uh, really exciting about circus skills and learning circus skills is, is is the act of of learning them. And I actually I actually pulled a quote because I yeah. I knew what this podcast was about. Oh. And um, years ago. Uh, Glenn Close was preparing for the originating role in Barnum on Broadway. Oh, I love that show. And <laughs> this was I believe in the late yeah, late 70s early 80s yeah. and at the time Paul Binder was already known in the cir- in, in New York as the circus person. You know, Dartmouth Dartmouth grad and you know, so when they needed to teach Glenn Close to juggle, they called Paul Binder. And uh they've stayed connected for decades. And when Paul Binder wrote his memoir um 10, 15 years ago, Glenn Close actually wrote the forward to the book. And she says, she, she, she says this about the time that she was being taught to juggle. She says, the magic of the circus first captured me when I gained control over an object as a simple rubber ball, and it became part of me. And there's just something that's really exciting and pleasurable and satisfying about developing a, a sort of a mastery of physical objects and this is not new to anyone who's been an athlete or even someone who's a chef or someone who has a mm-hmm. has a craft where they use their hands and I think that was a big part of what uh you know what what set me on on this path as well
1: now are you from a family of gymnasts how did you become a gymnast in the first place you grew up in Pennsylvania right you you and- I yeah. did,
0: and 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 just one of those, you know, um, coincidental moments. My, the town I grew up in, a small town, Pennsylvania, happened to have a really vibrant, up-and-coming gymnastic facility uh, that was benefiting from a lot of the um, uh, I- immigrants coming out of Eastern Europe after the Soviet Union collapsed, and and it just became it just became a really it, was a, it became a powerhouse of a, of a regional gymnastic facility. And I think that had I not grown up 10 miles from there, my life would be very different because there was nothing that was directing me. Uh, <laughs> there was, there was nothing that would have obviously supported, uh, these interests or or pushed me in this direction, uh, had, had that, uh, gymnastic facility not been there. And it really became, uh, a second home both for my brother and, and, uh, and me uh, throughout her childhood.
1: Where was this? What town? This is- was
0: in Kennett Square, Kenet Square, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, and it's a gymnastic facility called Karen Myers Gymnastics Center.
1: Okay. So then you see the circus and you think, okay, let's take it up a notch and be acrobatic jugglers. And your brother was totally yeah. on board. How? So ha- what <laughs> happened there? How did you become to be, you know, to go from, you're saying, you know, Juggling, you know, becoming pros.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question, and, and it's interesting. I've, I've realized over the past year. I don't know if I'd realized this before that my brother and I remember <laughs> a little bit differently. Um, so you know, it just goes to show that the the stories we tell ourselves are powerful. Um, but uh, you know, the 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 broad brushstrokes or the. Uh, as I mentioned, we were already gymnasts, uh, we taught ourselves to juggle. A lot of people just pick things up and kind of teach themselves to juggle. And we had a natural proficiency for it, uh, enough to learn pretty quickly and ask our parents to find us instruction manuals and some rudimentary juggling props. So we could continue developing skills and because we're identical twins and because we could already, uh, do acrobatics. It didn't take too long for us to piece together tricks that were pretty unusual and advanced because we had the same natural body rhythms and so we started doing street performances and we started going to little juggling festivals there's festivals for everything um (laughs) little workshops magic communities variety communities and then there was a couple years where We were mostly amateurs and would perform at local theaters and uh, go to go down to Baltimore to street perform in Baltimore's Inner Harbor. And over a number of years, we were approached by some coaches and some choreographers and manager who uh, took us under their wing a bit and said, you know, we think this could be something really special. Here's how we could help discipline your life and your training to develop a, a variety of apps that, um, you know, we can, we can, uh, we can present in a lot of different, um, in a lot of different formats and that's basically what happened. So when I was in high school, we were performing in circuses and theaters and cruise ships, and we would do halftime shows for the, uh, for sporting events. So we would go around and do 20, 30 halftime shows for the NBA, uh, during the NBA season. And, and there was just a lot of, uh, corporate corporate hospitality opportunities and, and things like that. So here
1: you find all this success, you win the Big Apple Circus Award. And then you make this pivot, mm-hmm. you go you both to go to Columbia, right? And here you study economics. Right. You know?
0: That's- right. And so right. So when we went to when we went to college, we 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 intended to go to explore other interests and we continued to work during the during our breaks and things like that but we um you know i i, I don't think either of us really were clear on whether or not we were going to continue pursuing a circus career uh after college and and after a couple of years we decided that you know we really wanted to refocus on on the performance and there were a number of uh places that we had wanted to work like the big apple circus um and so we really Came out of college with a renewed uh, focus and determination uh, to perform for a couple more years, and you know we were more mature. And throughout college, we continued to train, and so we kind of took what we had developed in high school and perfected it, and just gave it a little bit of uh, a little bit more maturity. And so we spent six months at a at a variety theater in Frankfurt called Tiger Palace Variety in Europe. There's a really wonderful scene of of variety theaters um, that people um, you know people will go and have dinner at before the show and it's it's almost like a, a ballet or, or like a jazz a combination of a ballet and a jazz club uh, here in the US so we did that for about six months and then we came to the Big Apple circus um, and performed here for a year and i had always been interested in producing and business and in management I, as you put out I, I studied economics at at Columbia and so after performing for two more years my brother uh, went off to medical school and then I pursued um, a series of <laughs> opportunities in management mm-hmm. and production and uh, my brother's now an anesthesiologist uh, here here oh. in New York so he, 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 he got out of this and
1: you, I love how so, you're so adjacent you can't get I out, can't get out of and it. what's also <laughs> okay. fascinating not to take you through your whole resume sick of being upsold at gyms this powerhouse company, mm-hmm. you know, producing.
0: Yep. So I spent five and a half years uh, in in various divisions and affiliates at, at CAA. Um, once I retired from, or once I left the Big Apple Circus, I worked here actually, or after when I stopped performing, I stayed at the Big Apple Circus and worked in a couple of um, guest services roles for about a year and a half. Um, and then I left to pursue other opportunities and for a number of years i was a contractor for Royal caribbean cruise lines and so me and my i had a little company and we presented we produced stage shows for those cruise ships and then about seven years ago i had an opportunity to go out to los angeles um, to work for a company that ca had acquired uh, as, as it sounds like you probably know these agencies uh historically have been private equity owns um although there's been some uh, corporate finance activity uh, in these in these worlds recently, but part of the strategy at these agencies was to diversify into non-representation businesses, and so they had acquired a company called Mills Entertainment, which was a, a stage, uh, a promoter and producer of touring stage shows. So I initially went out uh, to run development for that subsidiary of the agency, and then I moved over to the licensing group, and I was a licensing agent uh, for a number of years, and then launched a, uh, another production division that produced that produced uh, immersive ticketed attractions through through uh, through COVID.
1: So, can you talk about when Big Apple Circus came back into your life in this new iteration? You know, here you are, CEO. When that happened. Mm.
0: So I've stayed. I've stayed connected to the Big Apple Circus, uh, not officially, but I just. I've always felt very. I've always felt very connected to the Big Apple Circus. Uh, certainly from the time I started performing in the ring, and, and really felt its its capacity to inspire joy and wonder, and and make the make the world a little, a little bit of a kinder, gentler place, just a little. <laughs> and I, I don't think I, I don't think I understood. That until I was in the ring and, and, and connecting with the audience. Uh, but ever since then, I've had a very strong sense of the opportunity and the potential and the importance of the Big Apple Circus. And uh, starting um, around the time of the financial crisis, when I was in the show, it just the, the business model really started breaking down. Um, a lot of the corporate uh, clients evaporated overnight when the financial crisis happened. It was initially a nonprofit structure and then in 2016 the company actually went bankrupt uh because the uh that that the it, it was operating in a model that just didn't really make sense and so the company was acquired by a private equity company in 2016 it was reconstituted in 2017 uh it had a it had a challenging number of years this business is really tough uh coming out of uh coming out of the bankruptcy and then when covid happened, the owners said, you know, we're, we're not going to throw any more money into this. And that's when uh, a guy named Michael Cole uh, came into the picture. And Michael Cole, I don't know if that name means anything to you, but he's probably the most important music promoter uh, ever. Um, he uh, came out of Toronto and he really changed how artists tour by 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 winning the Rolling Stones tour in 1989 with a $50 million guarantee. And it completely transformed how, uh, how Axe tour. And he went on to become the first chairman of Live Nation. And so I got to know him. Yeah, so I got to know him when I was working at CAA. And when when COVID happened, uh, he was approached to invest in the Big Apple Circus to bring it back once we passed COVID. And he promoted a circus in the seventies and remembered it fondly. And he just is, he's, he's, um, he just goes for things. And so he acquired the big apple circus and I knew he had done it, but I, I sort of forgotten about it until I was in New York a year and a half ago and I was having breakfast with him. Um, And he brought it up to me and said, you know, we need new leadership at the Big Apple Circus. He was familiar with my history of the Big Apple Circus. And he said, Do you wanna do you wanna give it a try? And I said, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, why not? <laughs> you know? And so that was uh that was that was in May. That was in May of two thousand twenty one and it took us a you know, it took us a am oh, sorry, May of two thousand twenty two. Um, you know, it took us a, a few weeks to kind of um figure all out, but uh but I actually started officially on on July eighteenth. Uh, last year, which happens to be my birthday, like it just, oh. there's all these like moments of synchronicity, and I was actually born on Big Apple Circus's birthday, uh, which <laughs> which is just,
1: kismet, which
0: is bizarre. Yeah, so there's all these uh, degrees of moments of convergence, and and, uh, and so that's um, that's a mouthful, but that's how I that's how wow. I uh, that's how I um, ended up uh, coming back uh, to the circus.
1: So, how involved are you? with the casting, with the selection of performances, with the acts, how you, what does it involve? What does your role involve? Also, because you, you know, the circus so well.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, so, so in theory, I, you know, um, I, I oversee the whole, the whole circus, uh, from, from the, the creative to the operational side, to the marketing and sales. Um, you know, I, I think of my job as, um, as being, uh, to identify, uh, best in class, uh, creative partners and then, and then supporting, supporting their ability to succeed. Uh, so I don't, get into the intricacies of the directing or this year, even in the casting. And so this year, uh, this year, the Big Apple circus has a, has a history of collaboration with other with, with, with troops and, and, um, and, uh, and and circus companies outside of the U S never quite to this extent, but, uh, they collaborated with a Swiss mime troupe in the nineties and a, and a big Chinese circus company in the eighties. And so this year, the, this year we we planned the show very uh, much later than than is ideal. Uh, you, you know, typically oh. you want to be developing these shows at least eighteen months with at least eighteen months lead time. And um, and I had first uh, seen Circus Roncalli when I was working in Frankfurt in two thousand and seven. And Michael Cole uh, oh. knew the ownership there uh, through um, through a partner of his, and so Michael actually had the idea uh, oh. to pursue a collaboration with circus theater on college. And so I went over to Germany and spent some time with them and it just really felt like the stars were aligning on this one. And so once we put the deal together to bring them on board, to develop the show and create the show with us, they're the best, they're some of the best circus makers in the world. You know, like I don't, <laughs> they, I, you know, they, they, they do their thing and they, you know, they, they, um, you know, it's a bit, Working in the U.S. is, of course, different than in Germany. Uh, and there's, um, you know, the pacing is different. Uh, in Germany, the shows are significantly longer. Uh, in, in Germany, um, their circus in the evenings is mostly attended by adults here. Uh, you know, we have primarily a family audience that needs to run quicker. Um, and so there were some filters that we established and discussed when creating the show here uh, that affected the, you know, the outcome. But, you um, but the the Ron folks they're they, they um you know they did the work.
1: Don't they, have, <laughs> they did yeah the work
0: on creating don't, the show.
1: Yeah. Don't they have a lot of aren't a lot of those costumes from their warehouse these gorgeous, yes. you know, like I don't want to ruin it for like Marie Antoinette esque, you know, these very elaborate chandelier costumes, a lot of sparkles and tinsel and they're they're so very beautiful. creative, yes. Absolutely. And it's one of my,
0: it's one of my favorite parts about the show. And it was one of the real, um, upsides to working with them. And we built some costumes this year and adjusted some, some costumes, but circus, uh, Roncalli, they have this huge warehouse of, um, not just costumes, but, and Big Apple circus does too, but not nearly to the same extent, uh, but costumes and tents and carnival rides and, uh, Bernard Paul, who founded and owns circus, Ron Colling has been a collector for 50 years and just wow. goes all around the world and collects his stuff. So yeah, one of the one of the um, one of the things that I'm most excited about uh, in this year's show is is the beauty and 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 just the scale of the costumes. And there's it's sophisticated. They come from a from a broad range of styles, and I think they give it a polished uh, Broadway caliber. Mm-hmm. Quality and 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 look that really I I believe resonates with our audiences.
1: Do you have moments where you wish you could be out there performing, juggling with your brother? I was just.
0: It's you know (laughs) not very often. Um, I I I love being around uh, the circus and you know, I'm I'm at most of the shows and I and I love to watch the audience react. And this year especially I just I, I really connect to the show. Um, it's it's warm, it's it's gentle, it's beautiful, uh, and it's 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 exciting and the, the the audience, you know, you just you just feel the, the the response to the audience is infectious. But but I you know I, I don't really. Every now and then when I'm when I'm watching the jungler uh, I'll, I'll sort of have a flash of, um, you know, memory that, man, that was, that was pretty cool. And that was fun, especially when you had, you know, when you had a really good, when you had a, when everything just landed exactly right. And the timing was perfect and you were synced up with a band. That's the other thing about the big Apple Yes, is really special like is them. we have a live orchestra. We have yeah. a live orchestra and I absolutely love how the Roncalli team Uh, integrates them into the show and you really feel like they're part of what happens. So, uh, so, so I, I do, I do every now and then, but it's, it's not a, it's not a daily struggle. I prefer doing what I'm doing now.
1: (laughs) Has your brother seen it? The show? Yes.
0: Yeah. He Um. was, he was also here. uh, He was also here for the premiere. um, And, uh, and and he thinks it's great. He, He loved it.
1: And do you ever still juggle? Like even in, you know, you go to a gym and you, or do you ever, We're here. is that part it's of so, your So it's
0: so funny. No, no, it's not really. <laughs> and friends give me a hard time. And juggling is one of those disciplines that requires so many hours to do, to do well. Yeah. And you just kind of either do or you don't. However... Uh, we had pix 11 here this morning and we were doing a live segment and somehow they actually got me to juggle three balls, uh, when, when we were getting ready for, um, the, uh, the real performers to take the stage. So that was, that was like once in a five year sort of event.
1: Okay. So maybe in five years, you'll be, yeah, five <laughs> years. <laughs> you can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and or is this too hard to answer? You know, do you have moments that just take your breath away? Or is it like choosing a favorite child? You know, I think oh, about the two in, in the show. Like the oh, two oh. the the acrobats yeah. who are held by their feet. feet oh yeah. Or, my oh, God. oh
0: the oh the, the trapeze. The yeah, trapeze. there's a couple I mean the, the tra- there's there's two moments that there's two moments that are that, that give you this sense of like daring. And yeah. that is the trapeze where they're they're um they're they're joined just by one one foot. The, yeah. you know that one foot and, and they're they're pretty high up and then we have that russian acrobatic troupe that does three high pyramids yes. uh, and the and the person on the third level she's sometimes on her hands and so yes. there's those moments there's a couple pretty good moments of thrill i love the foot i love the jugglers i love the foot juggler i was a juggler i yeah. you know she has such a sense of style and and yes. i also i i love the dancers um uh. because i think it really brings in yeah. Like I mentioned, the, the the New York Broadway energy, and I and I love the clowns. Like I think that yeah. um, Americans, this is another way that um, Americans have a have a particular idea of clowns that kind of came out of Ringling Brothers, and and I think maybe don't have as much awareness of or experience with more of a European style flaneer esque type clown, and mm-hmm. this the the the, the clowns. Um, in this year's show, uh, really pull from that tradition and the comedy dell'arte form that that was really explored uh, in the '60s and '70s, coming out of uh, the 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 sort of um, neo-realism movements of, of that that moment in Europe. And so, so I really I, that really resonates with me, and I and I and I'm excited to watch to watch the audiences respond to it here. Uh,
1: in this year's show, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll leave you with a uh, Alexis Selesky in her review mm. for the New York Times wrote, "This is the gift of the circus, wherever it's from, a glimpse of the extraordinary within the mm. everyday, a vision of what time, tenacity, and a heedless approach to muscle strain can achieve, and cotton candy too. What glitter? What joy?" What a day I absolutely the love that. Yeah,
0: I couldn't cool. have, I couldn't have put it better myself. Yeah, This is the gift of the circus. What glitter, what joy. It We're just, here. it distills, it distills it, yeah. uh, into, into, into the essence, into its essence.
1: Yes. Well, Marty, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your incredible story of, uh, 360. This. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so well, much for having me. It's been, it's been such a pleasure, uh, Gerald, and I hope to see you back at the surface again soon here. Yeah. You're welcome anytime.
1: I'd love to come back to see, just to see it all again, experience it, because you experience it differently, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: So, well, thank you. Have a great day.
0: Thank you, Gerald. You too. Take
1: care. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Sarah Goodman and produced by Anna Stroud.